When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's the TD Fanners. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige and, and Jamie today. No Jake. Yeah, we kicked him off. Yeah, we kicked him off uh, for the season. Now we're just getting he's, uh just just married, the newlyweds. Congrats. Congrats to our guy Jake. Uh, big time, beautiful wedding in Georgia. And now he's on, uh, he went on his honeymoon and now he's on part two of his vacation uh, on a cruise with a bunch of kids. So I don't know that that sounds all that fun. So I have to make fun of him because he went to Santorini and had like an unbelievable romantic vacation and then came back and is like, yeah, I'm going on a cruise with a bunch of kids. And I was like, yeah, have fun with that, Jake. Almost the same. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of close to the same thing. <laughs> very similar. Very similar experiences. Uh, but we're here to talk football, and there's a lot to talk about. There and is. Kind of having that little break show. We'll, we'll, we hopefully will have some exciting news to announce later this month. Yes. And we hope to uh, – July will be the big month where we're going three times a week again with all our rankings and all our yeah. advice and whatnot. But we definitely – again, give Paige credit here. She wanted to check in. Yeah. And some, a lot of the fantasy-related storylines that have been going on since we last talked was it May 1st, I think, post-draft. Yeah, and I think for us it's it's about checking in on some of the bigger storylines that you need to start paying attention to. Uh, this is the time frame you're definitely not uh, or you shouldn't be drafting your your teams. If you are, dear God, get out of that There way. are some really hardcore people drafting oh, right I know. now. And it's, it's super risky. To me, and maybe get this out of the way – I get this question a lot. When should my league draft? Yes. I'm of the mind that you should be drafting after the third week of the preseason. I agree. That That's the best time. If you could even do it after the fourth week, even better. I, I just think you want to have the most information possible when you're drafting. You're going to be playing this for, what, September, October, November, December, four months. Yeah. Four months of your life you're going to be dedicating to this. There, unless you have to, unless you know, you're trying to coordinate something in person and you only have this one weekend, yeah. really try to do your draft as close to the start of the regular season as possible. So you don't have a scenario where you're drafting players that get hurt in the preseason and then all of a sudden your season's ruined in August. Yeah, it just it happens every year. It happens every year. I've been playing fantasy football since I was 16 years old, and I've been on Twitter since I was 18, 19 maybe. Every year – since I've been tweeting about fantasy football without fail, at least one and usually quite a few more tweet at me about how upset they are that insert said player got hurt in practice or mm-hmm. camp. I think of Jordy Nelson a few years back that got hurt in the preseason. Yeah. I just, there isn't any logical reason that you are going to bring to the table with me 
that is going to go, yeah, you know what? I agree with you. You should draft early, right? There's just not any logical reason because when you're doing this, like Jamie just said, you're looking at four months of time. When you're doing anything for four months, don't you want the most amount of information you can possibly have to make the right decisions? And the only way to do that is to wait until after preseason games. Absolutely. Like, I couldn't say it better myself. Look, even last year, think about if you took your draft in early August, let's say, versus late August, you had the third pick in the draft. Who were you taking? You were taking Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Exactly right. And all of a sudden, you walk into the season going, my season's maybe not ruined, but I have a massive uphill battle just to compete. You can't mess up your first-round pick. We talked about this a lot. You can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose it. And anyone who took Le'Veon Bell in the first round – most likely, I would bet ninety-eight percent of you did not get to the championship game. Yeah, just because it's such a it was such a high draft pick. I think of another guy locally, David Johnson. His his stock and his draft stock changed dramatically from year to year. But more so, when you saw what the offense was going to look like, if you were paying attention, okay, if you were paying attention, and I tell people that all the time in the preseason, pay attention, watch the snap counts, watch what's happening, follow the beat reporters, see what they're saying. They're spending every day with the team. You are not. Those are things that you need to pay attention to. And if you did, you probably didn't draft David Johnson one or two overall last season because you knew the writing was on the wall that that offense was not going to be very good. Now, we didn't know how bad it was going to be. No, we didn't expect that. But but we knew it wasn't going to be great. Uh, But listen, if you've been following along with our podcast, right, if you've been following along, you have known that – Jamie loves trolling Oakland, right? Las Vegas, whatever you want to call them. Still Oakland. That's where. Still Oakland for now. We're playing at like a local gymnasium in town. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, listen, this has become an ongoing theme. Jamie was not only right, but exceptionally right about the Raiders last year and took a lot of heat from Raiders fans on social media going into the season. So he got to gloat. Now, what do we get this year? We get the treasure trove. That is Hard Knocks and the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden and Antonio Brown and the over-under. Richie Incognito. And the over-under on Antonio Brown losing his mind on John Gruden has got to be what? Like 15 minutes into the show? Oh, yeah. 30 the, the, minutes the, the, that's, that's the promo they're airing before oh, episode yeah. one. So good. Uh, Can't wait. We'll see if Antonio Brown dies his mustache again. Oh, yeah. uh, so Raiders getting picked for Hard Knocks was the most obvious choice of all time. And sometimes the obvious choice is the right choice, and it was here. It's incredibly entertaining. They have a ton of personality in that locker room. Not quite Cleveland, but no. they have a ton of personality in that locker room. They have a head coach that has and, – and honestly, I think this is a difference. And we've talked about this in years past about the difference between a good season of hard knocks and a bad season of hard knocks. And I'm of the mind the coach is the difference maker. Yeah, 100%. Because the coach gets so much airtime when it's been like Hugh Jackson. Boring. Boring. Yep. Bill O'Brien. Kind of boring. Yeah. John Gruden, nobody will ever use the word boring to describe it. No. I don't think not. he's a particularly great coach. I think he won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's players, had a couple of really good runs, a big personality, and people like to forget that he really, really dismantled that Tampa Bay team yep. pretty rapidly, didn't coach for 10 years, and came back and made the Raiders significantly worse. Yeah. But personality wise, love the guy. Listen, at the end of the day, we're looking to be entertained, right? And the, the correct choice here from an entertainment perspective is what the choice that was made because it's what the NBA does so well that the NFL is kind of semi-starting to understand. Individuals are bigger than a lot of these teams. 
And people like watching people and following people. And Antonio Brown is polarizing. And John Gruden is polarizing. And he's a character. And so is Antonio Brown. At the end of the day, we're watching a show. And what does a show need? Strong characters. And John Gruden, whether you like him or not, you're going to be entertained by him. I know that for certain. We're going to be laughing. We're going to be making fun of him. The gifts, the memes, social media is going to be on fire the whole time that this is happening. So for the NFL, this is a premium viewing experience that they can have without football actually being Absolutely. played. Absolutely. I also think Mike Mayock's going to play a decent yep, role in the show, I agree. too. You usually don't see a ton from the GMs, aside from cut day scenarios. I think he – again, talk about somebody that's good on TV and has experience doing it. I imagine he'll be – HBO's not stupid. No. They don't produce bad shows very often on HBO. They know what they're doing there. Uh, so this will be really exciting. And even from a football perspective, I want to see how does Josh Jacobs kind of fit in. They're going to have to figure out if that's a guy you can give 25, 30 touches a game. They might have to. They don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to get a little bit of an inkling of Marshawn Lynch, I think, might pop up in this show a little bit because I'm not convinced we get to the season without him signing an open. I agree. So I we got to see that that's going to be pray happens. back and forth. So, again, Antonio Brown, a lot of personality. And there's, like, Richie Incognito, who, again, I'm not a fan of on a personal level, but he's a hell of a football player and he has opinions on things. Yes. So that's going to be a very interesting locker room to check in on. Yeah, and I think the point that you made a minute ago – is such a strong point. And the example I'll bring is if the coach is great, the show is great. And even though it's not hard knocks, all or nothing was great because Bruce was great. And Bruce became this phenomenon in the NFL when he's always been who he was, right? But people saw it. But people saw it and people saw it up close and personal. And he became this larger than life figure because he was amazing and the quotes and all that stuff. And you got to pay attention to that. It's the same scenario that's going to be happening with Gruden. Gruden's we know the main character. And, exactly. and I think if you ever watch Hard Knocks, you realize that the coach gets the most airtime. Yeah. Then there's always the star player a little bit. Again, you remember like J.J. Watt in, in the rain catching balls. But then there's always like that breakout star that comes out to the side. But the reality is, is the most airtime that you're going to get throughout the series is the head coach. Yep. And now that the head coach is the biggest personality in that room – that means it's going to be a hell of a show. And again, someone that has TV experience because this matters too because people tend to clam up around cameras. That red light comes on and you can say all you want, oh, ignore us, we're just in the back of the room. If you've ever been in a scenario in your life where there's been a camera around, you know that on some level, sometimes a little bit, sometimes massively, you or the people around you act differently. Yes. John Gruden is not going to be intimidated by a camera being there. No. In fact, he's going to play it up because yeah. he knows the camera's in there and he knows the narratives he can create using the camera and using hard knocks. So I think this has a chance to be the most entertaining season of hard knocks yet. I think you that's the point I want to reiterate here. He can control the narrative and, and look for him to manipulate the media, which he did last season a lot because of his relationships at ESPN. You heard certain things and certain mm-hmm. dialogues happening that when I heard them, I would think to myself, oh, John Gruden made a phone call. And you're going to hear as a media member, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. I'm going to watch how he manipulates what he wants to be released because guess what? He controls this situation and he controls everything that's happening in Oakland. And I, I, I am so pumped for this. It's like a, such a good 
teaser that we have to get us excited for football season. And, and we have, we have so many things to be excited about, but this is right at the top. Uh, let's go through a lot of these kind of updates we have going on yeah. here, Jamie, and some of them good, some of them bad, all of them fa- fantasy football relevant. So when I said at the top of the podcast, these are the storylines you need to be starting to pay attention to. You need to monitor, you need to watch them closely because it is going to impact how Jamie, myself and Jake rank all these players, how you should be ranking all these players on your boards, how you want to draft them. And the first one we're going to talk about here is Sony Michelle. So what is your level of concern here? So we found out today, uh, today being June 12th uh, on a Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to the show that uh, Sony Michelle had his knee scoped at some point this off season that shouldn't surprise you. He had a lot of knee issues at Georgia. This is going to be a constant battle for him every offseason. He has, I believe, um, a bone-on-bone yes. a situation in his knee, if I remember that, coming out of college. So this is going to be something that he's going to have to deal with periodically in season, mostly probably in the offseason. Got to be a little bit concerned maybe about his long-term future. Maybe I think his window is going to be a little bit smaller. I think yeah. that maybe is a big reason why Damian Harris, who basically does the exact same thing as Sony Michelle, got drafted by the Patriots. It was a little bit of a, a little bit of a curious pick to me because I think those two players basically play the same exact role on that team. Yeah. Uh, but just something to monitor. Uh, I'm working on my full comprehensive preseason rankings right now. I hope to get them done by next week, and we'll give out information in the future about how you can get access to that and whatnot. I'm going to be lower on Sony Michelle than I think the consensus is going to be. Uh, I have a lot of concerns about him being able to stay healthy. I have a lot of concerns about who's getting touches in that offense uh, and in what order they get those touches. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Patriots, both from a running and a pass-catching standpoint this offseason, about where certain targets are going to go without Gronk there. They could spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver, Nikhil Harry. They spend a, 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 a third or fourth-round pick on Damian Harris. So we're going to figure this all out. But to me, I would be – if I'm, let's say, in a dynasty league, I'd be a little nervous if I'm a Sony Michelle owner. And that might be a player that I might try to sell high on this offseason yeah. if you can because I'm not sure he's going to be an RB2 when yep. it's all said and done this season. Yeah, he's a guy that I have in a uh, in a keeper league, right? And we're at the point in our keeper league where trades start to happen. Yeah. And hopefully none of my uh, – None of my compadres are listening to this podcast, but I'm sure that they are. Uh, I know a few of them listen to the podcast. I'm going to try and trade him because I know his value right now is probably the highest it's going to be, at least in my opinion. I don't think it's going to get that much higher. And I want to – listen, if you know the bone-on-bone stuff, it it doesn't get better. No. Okay? It It only gets worse, and it gets to a point where it's a pain tolerance thing. Right, yes. and you get to a certain point, pain tolerance wise, that it is excruciating. And at least the problems down the line, we'll talk about this guy in a second here because I don't, I don't want to transition yet. But Todd Gurley, same thing, had yes. a major knee injury in college. He has to have certain maintenance done to it year after year. Now, Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley. I don't think Sonny Michelle has that no. upside by no. any means. No, but these are issues that you again. These are the human elements that you have to deal with. You're not dealing with a bunch of robots here. No, and this is a player that has these long lines of concern. And it doesn't mean he can't be good for the next couple of years. I'm just saying it limits his upside and increases his injury risk. Especially when you're talking about you're looking ahead and you're in dynasty leagues, you're in mm-hmm. keeper leagues, you're making decisions not only for the right now but for the long-term future. And anytime you can sell high, right? Yes. I got I, I, I bought low 
and I could sell high here. Always sell high on running backs, by the way. Yes, exactly right. That's a perfect point. Always sell high on running backs. If somebody's will, I doubt it because he's you know it's he's the new shiny toy. But if somebody's willing to give you Josh Jacobs, yeah, for Sony Michelle in a keeper league, I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I don't even think about it. I agree as well. Uh, Todd Gurley, obviously, the storyline going into last year when I was at the Super Bowl, I overheard conversations, and I think I talked about it on the podcast last year. Um, or earlier this year, I should say, about the, the conversations I heard from media members, from staff members, uh, about the fact that Todd Gurley's injury was much, much worse than they let on, and that, in fact, he was injured because they told us that he had no issues. Yeah, which we, which, ne- we never believed. Which no one with a logical brain thought, because there's no way in the Super Bowl or in the games leading up to that, you're not running Todd Gurley if he's fully healthy. He's your best player. Exactly So there, right. there's no – I'm not sure it did it, uh, much of a service to him to say he wasn't injured either. Like, I'm not sure I, what. I don't – if I was the – Gamesmanship? I was going like, to say, I, if I'm Todd Gurley – and that's the storyline that's being portrayed by my head coach. I'm pissed off because then, yeah. then you're, then you, you have almost like what we've seen with Kevin Durant a little bit over the back, which Kevin was injured, yeah. right? Is all of a sudden people are starting to question how bad do you want it? How bad is this? How bad do they want to play? What's the character of this player? If I'm the player, I'm like hell no. Well, I'm hurt. I am hurt, and you are going to tell everyone that I am hurt. I don't care what you are trying to do from a game. Guess what? They have 16 games that they can look at film of me playing football. This isn't going to change also, the game that much. The reality that things like that news doesn't get around in the NFL. Come on Come now. On. Like yeah. those inner circles, like even, even we're both on the periphery periphery of that. Yes. And you, we hear things that go, that's interesting. There's no way Bill Belichick Thank you. isn't hearing those Thank things. You. Thank you very much. Like, that's exactly correct. You think that Todd Gurley is just going to be out there, oh, wow, Todd Gurley's not playing today. How, do I ever, <laughs> how will I ever get my team ready to perform? Like, I think that this notion that you can keep these major secrets, you can from us and from the media. Yeah. You're not keeping them from the internal. There are too, there are too many – too much cross-pollination in coaching staffs and front offices. Yeah. They pretty much know everything that's going on. Yes. That news and, spreads fast. Yes. And Sean McVay, you're not going to out-chess match Bill Belichick. As was de- as As was displayed. And nobody did last postseason. Yeah, as was displayed last year with the least talented version of the Patriots. So scene. when it comes to Todd Gurley, I'm, I'm going to admit this right now. Wherever I rank him, I'm going to be wrong. Okay. I know I'm going to be wrong because there's just – you're having to hedge your bets here. If Todd Gurley plays mostly a full season at relative strong health, he is a top five player and maybe a top two player in fantasy. If he is 80% of the Todd Gurley we've got the last two years and plays, he is an RB1. If he's 70% of the Todd Gurley the last two years, he's an RB2. The problem's going to be I have no idea how much he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play eight games, get hurt. I don't know if he's going to miss the first few games of the season. I don't know if they're going to do more of a timeshare. Here's the thing that's interesting to me about what the Rams did this offseason. Malcolm Brown was an RFA. The Lions tried to sign him. They, the Rams blocked it. They trade up to get Darrell Henderson in the third round. You already have John Kelly still there. So that to me, that screams, you don't go out of your way to retain Malcolm Brown. You don't trade up. It's not like Darrell Henderson fell into their lap. They traded up. Yeah, they said, we want this guy. And then grab him. That tells to me that there's obviously some concern about the injury and that they might be working to more of a timeshare just to kind of keep some of that pressure off Todd Gurley. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that maybe we're looking at 70, 75% of the touches that we're used to Todd Gurley getting, which, by the way, is still a startable player every single week. Yes. But that's a 
third-ish round player, yeah. not a, not a first-round player. And right now in the early drafts, I'm seeing him go anywhere between four and eight. Yeah, I can't spend a first-round yeah. pick on Todd Gurley right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I, there's too many unknowns. Here's the thing I know. If I am – my first-round draft pick better be as sure as I could possibly make mm-hmm. it. So I'm willing to be wrong on guys like this. Last year was willing to be wrong on Le'Veon Bell. I'm willing to be wrong on some of these guys, especially inside the top five. I am willing to be wrong on the upside of these guys because more often than not, we're right on this stuff. Because this scenario that was playing out, first and foremost, you look at the longevity of running backs and how long they stay in that top tier. It's not long. Okay, and once they're injured, it's especially not long. And and this is these are the types of extensive extensive injury history. That injury in college was brutal. It was very bad, and that's that's this is not somebody that just got hurt once for the first time. This this is a long term problem. And again, sorry to cut you off. No, the Rams are trying to win the Super Bowl this year. Yes, and if I'm Sean McVay, you know when I need Todd Gurley, I need Todd Gurley divisional weekend. Yes, championship weekend. Yeah, Super Bowl weekend. I don't need Todd Gurley week four. 100%. And if that means I have to give Todd Gurley 10 touches a game for the first month and a half of the season to make sure he's ready, then I'm giving Todd Gurley 10 touches. I'm yeah. giving Malcolm Brown 10 touches. I'm giving Darrell Henderson five or six touches. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. letting Jared Goff throw 40 times. Yeah, News I can deal with that. Nobody yeah. is catching the Rams in the NFC West. No. Nobody. No, no. They're going to win that division by four games. Yes. Yeah. San Francisco, you can hit my mentions if you San Francisco's not making the playoffs. I will rally on this. San Francisco – no. No. We'll talk about – Yeah. I, I am down on every 49ers player going yep, into the season. I agree. Down on Jimmy G. I'm down on Debo Samuel. I'm down on Dante Pettis. Relative like, – Dante Pettis is fine, but like relative to where people are drafting him. Yeah. Tevin Coleman's not a starting running back in this league no. for me. We'll talk about all that later in the offseason. But the Rams are going to – you have to understand that part of this is – part of the strategy that you can have over your teammates, especially if you play in a more casual league, is understanding what – the team philosophy is and how yeah. they're going to use their players and understanding that fantasy football is not something they're concerned about. No, I can assure you of that. I've had, I have they had, despise it. I have had many coaches, many players, many assistant coaches tell me to my face, they don't give a insert blank word about fantasy football. Yes. Okay? They don't care. So if I'm drafting Todd Gurley, I'm concerned about what he's going to be doing during my fantasy finals when he might be getting rested by, by the Rams. I'm also concerned that he might get – limited touches early in the season to try to pull, prolong his usability for them. Yeah, I'm not drafting him in the top five. No, and to me, I'm not. there are five extremely – I don't know what exact order I'm going to do yet, but there are five clear running backs in the top five. Yes. You've got Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey um, – why am I blanking on this? Uh, Melvin Gordon Melvin and Gordon. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Not in that order, but, but those are the five. clear top five. If you, To me, I cannot make any argument unless you have this extremely weirdly formatted yeah. league with points – those should be your top five players in some order, no matter what, barring injury. Yep. Then it gets interesting once you get outside the top five. I do really think, honestly, if, if you play in a league where you have to pay to get draft spots, uh, we've seen that a lot. Like Jake yeah. and I saw that a lot at Scout, where you basically you pay a certain amount of dollars or fab budget or whatever your league does to draft order. Picking in the top five this year I do think is important because in my early mock drafts, I love my teams a lot better when I start with one of those five running backs than when if I pick eighth, ninth, or tenth. Yeah, so I do I think top, picking the top five is important. I usually like being between three and five. That's my perfect window. I don't like being number one overall because it's a lot of pressure, and a lot of yeah. times it's like I just overthink myself. And even two, 
but three through five is like the sweet spot. I yeah. re- that's that's like perfect scenario for a draft yes. spot. And I think the top four this year, uh, Melvin Gordon's the clear five for me. And again, for the second year in a row, I'm going to beat the table for Melvin Gordon because yeah. I still don't think he gets enough love. It's because he one, plays for the Jarvis. For me, one through four, whether it's Elliott, Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, in a half point or full point PPR are interchangeable for me. I think Saquon stole my clear number one. I agree. But – I'm okay starting any of those four. I think the margin is razor thin between those four. So if you can get one of those players to start your draft, I think you're going to be in a really strong spot. Yeah, I'm in agreement. All right, Cam Newton is throwing again. So it's always good news when the quarterback is actually making throws. And the issue with Cam for me is I do, where he traditionally has gone in fantasy drafts, Jamie, I don't – I don't anticipate that version of Cam Newton ever really coming back. No, I'm also not convinced he starts week one. And I think, to me, that's the biggest risk I feel with Cam, even though he's throwing right now. Like, gun to my head, I'm not sure where Greer's not starting week one. Yeah. And so, to me – Which signed me up for, by the way. So From an entertainment standpoint. Oh, yeah. But to me, quarterback is incredibly deep this year. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly deep. I still think people are sleeping on Ben Roethlisberger. I hear, I hear all this hate for him. He was the number two fantasy quarterback, number three in points per game last year. Uh, there, <laughs> and he was like ranked where last year, average. Uh, outside the top was, twelve, yeah. yeah. And he's by the way, a lot of places have him outside the top twelve again this year. LOL. And we'll talk about Ben and, and, and attempts and losing AB. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot to break down there. We'll save that for our preview shows that are coming up. But to me, quarterback is so deep that I'm not willing to take a risk on him unless Cam's really, really false. Yeah. If I'm playing, you know, if I'm looking at it as my second QB option or I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to take – Cam's falling me. I'm going to take Cam and, like, Jameis Winston or something. Yeah. Sure, I'm fine with that. But I, I can't take a top seven quarterback pick on Cam Newton right no. now. Because I don't know I, if he's going to play a full season even if he's out there week one. No, and I will continue to say this. Just don't draft quarterbacks early. But it's just that, that this quarterback, any quarterback, I'm not drafting yeah, quarterbacks. Don't take really. Mahomes in the first round. Yeah, don't, I'm seeing it. Don't do it. Just don't be that guy or girl. Uh, Kyle, oh, Kyle maybe in a two QB league at the at the yeah. turn. But okay, even so, I also think that, that I'll say this tease for later in, uh, in later episodes. I do think that Patrick Mahomes is not in a tier by himself. There's another quarterback that I think you can even give a QB one argument again this year. But we'll we'll talk about that. Ooh, okay. In the future. I like I like the uh, I like the enthusiasm and the and the good little teaser there. Kyle Rudolph extension. What does this mean for Irv Smith Jr. and the white and the Vikings tight ends overall? Uh, listen, last year was kind of a, a, a disappointment with Kyle Rudolph. Um, as the whole Vikings as, offense, really. Yeah, I mean it was. That's a good point. Their receivers were fine, but, a, but across the board. But even so, there everybody took a step back when the anticipation with with bringing in a new quarterback that everybody overwhelmingly said Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback was that, okay, they got all the same offensive pieces. How could they not be better? And they took a dramatic step back as an offense. The Vikings are a fascinating team for me because part of me feels like this is lining up for them to be almost as a team, the post-hype sleeper. Okay. Where they were, everybody was like, oh, no, this is the team that's going to the Super Bowl now. They've got Kirk Cousins. They're, they're, they're going to throw the ball over the field. It didn't work out with Filippo. They fired their coordinator half a quarter of the way through the season. I feel like now everybody is super down on the Vikings. And I still feel like they're just as talented as they were going into last season. Um, so I, I, to me, I, I don't know what to do with the tight The tight end position is not deep at all. But Kyle Rudolph was really, really disappointing last year. 
I think, again, this says to me that obviously Irv Smith is not going to play really much of a significant role for them in year one, which is to be expected. Rookie tight ends, you know, shout out to Detroit people. Rookie tight ends usually don't make a big impact right away. Uh, To me, just you avoid these Vikings tight ends overall. But I do think there is a chance, especially in a two QB league, that I would take a risk on on Kirk Cousins uh, as a middle middle of the tier QB two because – they can't start any worse than they did last year. I still have a concern that Kirk Cousins can't beat teams with winning records. Like, there's that weird stat out there. Uh, it's my favorite stat that I love telling Vikings <laughs> fans. I love throwing it in there. When they when they chanted King of the North uh, at me at the game where the Bears just put on display how much better of a team they were on Sunday Night Football, uh, yeah, not the King of the North, and sure as hell not the King of beating good football teams. No, but I do think there's some room for improvement there. I, I think last year was the worst-case scenario for Kirk You got to hope so. Yeah. You got you to gotta hope so. Uh, let's talk about the hometown team, the Arizona team. Kyler Murray, uh, other than the visor that is just a hundred fire emojis, yes. okay? Goonie. Like so unbelievably amazing uh, and very much needed in Arizona. Let's just start there. Uh, and then David Johnson, who likes to talk uh, going into every year. He's always, he's love David. Great guy. I've interviewed him so many times he's the nicest dude and he's actually super humble which is funny because a lot of the stuff he says kind of comes across and and it's it's more in a joke his tone gets his tone gets lost because he's not he's not an arrogant guy at all uh says he's gonna play 90 plays a game yeah uh david hold your horses buddy not so, not so fast, my friend. So, so let's let's break that down. Let's start with the David Johnson one. Uh, the the Cardinals are not going to run ninety offensive plays a game. No, no team in NFL history has run ninety offensive plays per game. One team in the NFL last year ran seventy plays. Yeah, per game. So just for happening. context on how ridiculous that statement is. Now, what what is going to happen in Arizona is they're going to run, I think, ten to twelve plays a game more than they did last year, which I think is important. They were like in the mid fifties, mid to upper fifties. Yeah, their offense was slow game. last year. So their offense will not be slow this year. So there's going to be room for improvement because ten to even adding ten to twelve plays is going to be significant. Um, I like David Johnson this year. I think he's going to be rated a little bit more appropriately going into the season. Um, he's still going in the first round this year. Back into the first round, I think that's fair. He's kind of at that line where I'm probably going to take one of the premier wide receivers before I take David Johnson. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to have an improvement this year, and I'm interested to see how he works in that offense. For Kyler Murray, I'm just I'm not buying it yet for fantasy. I'm, I'm really not. I, I think people think there's this tremendous upside with Kyler Murray. I don't think there is. Yeah. I really don't think there's this, this awesome upside. I know he's going to run a bit more, run a bit, but I'm also again this is where the size comes into play. He's not Cam Newton. No. So no, he, I can assure so you if that. He, so if he's running and takes these big hits that he's going to take if he's moving around a lot, how is how long is he going to stay? Yeah. Is he going to have to slide more? Is he going to want to? Like, are you going to be able to get that out of him? So to me, I don't think there's QB one upside in Kyler Murray. I, I, I am not. He's not even on my radar. No. Unless I'm in a two QB league, and even then, he's a low end option. I'm just I'm just not excited about him, and I don't don't buy into the hype and here's, overpay for it. Here's here's what I would say. Love the visor, love the love the fun, love that aspect of you know getting all hype squad about a player, right? I like that aspect. It's fun to play into that. But the logical side of my brain is what dominates for fantasy football. And what I can tell you about this is the Arizona Cardinals had the worst offensive line in football yeah. last year. Kyler Murray statistically had the best offensive line in college football at Oklahoma. The guys on that fo- yeah. on that offensive line averaged a weight and height bigger than that of the NFL. 
Okay. And I think all five of those guys are going to be playing yes, on Sunday. Are going ben to Powers, be, yes. some of those other guys. They're, they're you're talking about premium offensive linemen. Okay, he there is going to be a huge adjustment period for Kyler Murray. I'm not saying he's going to suck. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. But what I'm saying is, as a fantasy owner, you do not want to take a risk on this guy no. yet. Okay, it's encouraging yes. that he knows the offense, and that'll, that'll help a little great. bit with the rookie curve that you see with a lot of guys that are take a few weeks to get used to it. But again, he doesn't have these great weapons. Like no. Larry Fitzgerald has a shell of himself. Christian Kirk, I like, but isn't a major weapon. We'll see what Andy Isabella and well, Hacking Butler. See, I just, guys, this is as as my worst team in football last year. Okay, uh, not only that, but as as Bruce Arians once famously said, I don't learn blank from watching guys in pads. Okay, from just just walking around with their their little their half pads on. Yep. Okay, and their shorts. shorts. Okay, you're not learning much from this. And he's an NFL coach. So I'm sure as hell not going to sit here and pretend like I'm smarter and I'm going to learn all that I need to know about Kyler Murray from right now. Okay, this is this is a guy, if you are so inclined and in love with trying to have Kyler Murray on your team, please pay attention to the Cardinals and watch. There's a difference between knowing the offense in when you're playing your own guys than going and showing that in a preseason game against a real NFL defense. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'll break it out for this one. Let's so my, my early ranking on him, I have QB 22 yep. for Kyler Murray in fantasy. Yep. So just, again, somebody that you know, even in a single QB league, not even through a bench, should probably draft him. Yeah. Like he's just outside of that. Like to me, he should be on the waiver wire. If you're in a two QB league, I think it's a yeah, – if, if you're in a 12 or a 16 upside, team league, then sure. yeah, absolutely. He's a guy you can get later on. Well, in two QB leagues, every quarterback's owned. Yes, so at that point, you're, exactly trying to, right. you're trying to look for upside. If you pair him with a safe guy and say, okay, I'm going to go safe and then upside at QB2, some people go the other way. Uh, but to me, just he's not fantasy relevant in single quarterback leagues. No. Even, not, even in 14 or 16 team leagues. Sure as hell not this year. It's, it's too it's too early uh, to decide that. And listen, if you've got injuries and we're six weeks in and he's lighting the world on fire, sure. Sure, uh, I, I I will be wait to be proven wrong. Right I, now, let me see. As I looked at the early ADP, which again, this is all the, this is like a lot of experts because yes. of this point in the season. There are because right now his average ADP is one twenty nine, which would put him at QB. Just let me do the math here. Yeah, I'm already uh, already fourteenth QB off. Yeah, the no. <laughs> I, I, no, thank you. Can't do it. No, thank you. I'll take Ben Roethlisberger and 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 win a championship again. Uh, Carson Wentz, new contract, the high expectations for the Eagles this season, and how it's going to influence that of Dak Prescott's contract. Because yes. guess what? Dak hasn't had the injuries that Carson has had. Dak has brought the Cowboys to some successful seasons. Obviously, they haven't won a Super Bowl, but really, neither did Carson Wentz. So... This is this is you get paid. He gets half credit for that. Season. He gets half credit for that. He was so good. That he was unbelievable. But he gets he's, half credit. But, but yeah. he's had a major injury. Okay, they brought him back in my opinion too early. Mm-hmm. Got hurt again. Got hurt again. Okay, and I don't like messing around with back neck injuries with anybody, but especially not with quarterbacks. Well, back injuries don't go away. They I mean, don't. It's just it's it's one of those things that just in life. That it happens. Uh, you know, someone close to me has had a major back injury in their 20s, and they literally have dealt with it every day of their life since. Yeah. Um, what are your expectations then for Carson? I mean, I love Carson Wentz, the player, the man. I think he's a great – I just – I this concerns me long-term with this team. I worry about health. Um, obviously, Lewis Riddick is not helping anybody with uh, trying yeah. to get him at a value, saying he's going to be the MVP this year. 
Uh, look, when Carson Wentz plays, I think he can play at an MVP level. We've seen him do it. I still have the mind, even though he only played 12 games that year where he ended up getting, where he ended up tearing his knee up, uh, that he was, still should have been the MVP over Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I thought just because of even his his he was he basically he was had the same MVP. stats as Brady, but in twelve games versus sixteen. Yes, uh, so I thought he should have been the MVP that year. He's someone that I I think is a low end QB one. Mm-hmm. I think is somebody that you want to take, but he's in that category of when you get to quarterbacks where you need to take a second quarterback for your bench. Like I would take I I, I like Carson Wentz a lot. I think when he's going to play, he's going to have a lot of success. Um, Alshon Jeffrey being there, I know Alshon Jeffrey was more of a Nick Foles. Connection, but I think we'll see what happens with the full season with Wentz. I don't know if uh, Arcadia Whiteside is going to make that big of an impact this year, uh, but I don't know. Like, just to me, if I take him at the back end of QBs, which I might, I think he's in that list of I'm waiting on quarterbacks. You got to take somebody else. Yeah, that's a little bit safer. Maybe that's the Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. Or, or even like a Jameis Winston type player and say, okay, I'm going to play the matchups with those two. So let's talk about the contract standpoint here. How is this going to impact Dak? Because you know Dak's going to be coming to the table. We know that. He, he wants to get paid. Yes, and then the Eagles said when they when made this deal with Wentz, they wanted to do it for Dak to set the market, yep. which makes sense because, again, every deal that comes after is always worse financially than the deal prior. Correct. Uh, Dak's going to get paid about the same, I think. Yep. Um, do I think he's as good a quarterback as Carson Wentz? No. I don't. Do I think the Cowboys have much of a choice? I, I don't. Not really. I, I think Dak is the epitome of average starting quarterback. Like if you lined up every starting quarterback in the league, he would be in that 15 to 20 range. Mm-hmm. But that's better than a lot of other teams have. It's better than the, the replacement market right now for quarterbacks. So, look, I'm, it, it's going to be too much no matter what he gets paid, but quarterbacks are going to get paid that amount. Yeah. The concern is, is that they're not winning yet. So here's my and you're question. Gonna lose as the again the Jake voice since he's not here about how many starters you lose when you sign your quarterback. So here's my question to you because I'm as everybody is on this podcast, pro players getting their money, right? I don't of care course. if you're I, I, I am pro every player in this league getting paid and quarterbacks get paid and they get overpaid and that's just how it is. Yes. Is Dak a good enough quarterback to win the Cowboys a Super Bowl, yes or no? I don't think so. I don't think. So. I think that's an important question you have to ask yourself because can the Cowboys win a Super Bowl? Yes, but I think it would be because of Zeke and because their defense overperforms. Okay, so I, I don't think it's because of that. Okay, but just is he good enough in that position? You think that they can put a team around him that that team can be good enough to win a Super Bowl? Now, I don't think they can put a team around him after he signs that contract that can be good okay. enough to win a Super Bowl. Good, good qualifier, uh, Eric Ebron, my guy, Eric Ebron. Yes. Thank you so much for last year's. Uh, fantasy football season. I thoroughly enjoyed all of the butt whoopings that I put on with uh, my great tight end, Eric Ebron, that nobody trusted. Uh, thank you so much. He is practicing after groin surgery. So, Jamie, when you evaluate this and, and his injury, is this something you think is going to be dropping down significantly in your rankings, or how are you looking at this long term? So, I put this in our show notes. Not so much to talk about the injury, but to talk about the whole situation surrounding Eric Ebron. Yes. Because I think. He's going to be the tight end that gets overdrafted. Oh, 100%. One, obviously, because all touchdowns and the hype. Two, Jack Doyle's coming back. I think they're going to use Jack Doyle more in the blocking role, and they're going to run a lot of two tight ends or split Eric Ebron out wide, which I think they've shown before. But I think that's going to eat a little bit into Ebron's touches. I'm also a little concerned about the red zone touches. I I know Devin Funches wasn't great in Carolina, but he's a good red red zone option for them. And I think he might be a better red zone option for Andrew Luck than other people are thinking about. So to me, I think Eric Ebron is in that, like, outside – there are three great tight ends we know that already. 
I think Eric Ebron's in the middle class of that second tier of I'm okay getting him there, but I'm not going to reach for him. Like I'm not reaching for any tight end that's not Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, or George Kittle. Like yeah. I'm not doing it. Yep. I'm going to let it come to me. I'm going to live with the Vance McDonald's of the world, the Trey Burton's of the world, the Eric Ebron's of the world. I'm going to let the tight, tight end come to me if I don't reach for one of those top top three guys in the second or third round. Yeah, tight end is a position where I have one – in multiple leagues, changing that guy every week. Going yeah. in with somebody that I got really late, going in for a couple of weeks, getting somebody else, changing in and out. It's just not – unless you have traditionally one of the names you put out yeah. there in the past, Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, I just – I never really felt comfortable going up and getting somebody really early. I no. just they're not, they're not as – with the exception of a few guys – there's just really not anybody that you I'm, I'm trading up for. I'm trying to get in front of. I'm like, it's just, it's, there's not, there's not that many guys. And I think that's the big takeaway for Eric Ebron is don't look at last year's numbers and go, wow, he's about to break out. I, I think he's going to regress a bit. There's this the situation in Indianapolis has changed a little bit since last year. I just think what we saw last year was the absolute best case scenario. And unless you're drafting a player in the first two rounds, I don't like drafting players at the price that is the Best case scenario because you're often disappointed. Okay, a couple quick things to uh, finish the podcast here. Miles Sanders still out with a hamstring injury. Doesn't concern you? A little bit. I want to see him practicing more. The whole Eagles running back situation concerns me. Doug Peterson has a problem for a while. Well, Doug Peterson won't commit to one. Yes. He absolutely won't commit to one. We thought it was going to be J.J. last year. It wasn't. Um, Stay away from a I, I'm staying away. Uh, I would, the, a couple things I would keep in mind there. I think if you're looking for deep, deep sleepers – there's a guy I mentioned last year in New Orleans. It's Boston Scott. He's in Philadelphia now. He's somebody that, again, if Darren Sproles doesn't resign there because Darren Sproles has come back and said he would he would like to resign to the for the Eagles, he's someone, especially in PPR leagues, I would keep an eye on because I think that role is up for grabs. That Darren Sproles role is up for grabs, and Sproles got a lot of snaps yeah. relative to the other backs there. But to me, I, I mean, if you want to take a flyer on Sanders, that's fine. I just don't think Doug Peterson's going to commit to a true RB1. And until he does, I'm not spending RB1 prices to yeah, get the Eagles back. That's a terrifying situation for a fantasy owner. Uh, Pat Shermer says the Giants will play the very best player at quarterback and says Eli is still the starter. Uh, okay, is Eli sure. Manning the best player at the quarterback position? Jamie. On the on the Giants right now, probably. And yeah. that's a sad state of affairs. For, yeah. You spend a top 10 pick on another quarterback. Uh, no Giants quarterback is fantasy relevant this year. No. I think even in a two QB league, they're a bench option for you. Uh, ignore. You're going to ignore a lot of the Giants this year aside from Saquon. Yeah, it's uh, exactly right. I am not touching anything on that team other than Saquon, Evan, Evan Ingram, and somebody's going to catch passes on that team. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who's. They have three guys that play the same position on the team. So whoever ends up playing the slot, whether it's Sterling Shepard or whether it's Golden Tate, will yeah. have some value. But whoever doesn't is going to be playing out of position. Yeah, I'll wait and see on that one. Uh, Andrew Luck won't practice at minicamp. Any any concern for you? Not yet. Uh, he he discussed that he's learned to take things a little bit slowly. Uh, smart coming off his injury. He's going to be out there and play. I don't think he's a bigger injury risk than any of the other major quarterbacks. He's certainly less of an injury risk than like Cam Newton, who we just yeah. talked about. Uh, to me, he's solidly – he's in that top-tier quarterbacks. He's in the top three. Yeah, I agree. And he pr- he proved last year, after all the concern about the throwing and, and not being able to see it, pretty sure we can trust him. He's one of the smartest players in the NFL. He's one of the smartest quarterbacks that's ever played this game. Uh, just a very, very highly intelligent – you know he's watching film. He doesn't need to be out there practicing throws. He's I'll fine. tell you that We right saw now. more than enough last year yep. for him to say he's fine. No worries. Uh, A.J. Green. 
uh, to do individual drills this week. Bengals hopeful he can return by training camp. That's obviously great news. Uh, AJ Green was a guy who was just killing it in fantasy last year. Yeah. Had a couple of unbelievable weeks. Um, he's one of those guys that I feel like doesn't get as much conversation around him because of the team that he plays for. Um, so he's a guy that I have continuously added to my roster in fantasy football and been very happy with the outcome. And I think you should continue to do that. He's being undervalued this year. I see him going like in the third and fourth oh, round. Oh, yep, sign right me up. People have forgotten that A.J. Green is, when he's on the field, he is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. 100%. Period. In fantasy points, in real life, he is an elite option. I think people just because of the injuries, because it's the Bengals, uh, I think people have a distorted view of Andy Dalton's talent level. Uh, I still think to this day people don't appreciate that. Again, I'm not saying Andy Dalton's one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the league, but he is not this pariah. People treat him like he's Eli Manning no. or he's Nick Foles or no. he's somebody at this lower end, and that's just not the case. It's not the talent level that he has. To me, A.J. Green is one of the biggest wide receiver values going in drafts right now, and if that continues, it might only get worse when we start getting into more casual fans playing. This is like the experts' ADP right now. Uh, he's somebody that I would be more than happy, even being – if I go running back, running back, I would love to get A.J. Green as my first wide receiver there in the third round. I'm actually really excited for the Bengals because Marvin Lewis really held that team back for a long time. And they- Zach Taylor is an interesting – like I don't know it- – Again, it's the buzzword. We're going to run the Rams playbook, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, I, I touched Sean McVay's it's hand not, in high school. It's not that. It's it's something different it's than not Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Because when I talk about the big three, right, this is, used to be a conversation that would happen a lot with uh, at my previous job at Arizona Sports. We'd always, we'd always take the quarterback, the running back, and the number one wide receiver, and we'd always put them up against, yeah. right? And it, the conversation started because at one point it was the killer bees. It was Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown. And in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, and Andy Dalton, who I know people make fun of, is a really, really good three. Because A.J. Green and Joe Mixon have the ability to be top three in their position every year. Yes, and and you and I have been on the Joe Mixon train for a while there. I, I had him ranked as a top 12 running back last year. Uh, he's probably going to sneak in my top 10 this year at the back end. Like, I, I think, Same for me. To me, he's the one, he's one of those guys that you're going to get in the second round. Early in the second round, you're going to be really, really happy with his production because he, he really came on strong after his injury last year. That yeah. was really good to see. That's I, why I told you earlier that yeah. I want to be in that three to five spot because I want to grab one of those top tier running backs and then I want to come back yep. around and I want to get Joe yeah, Mixon. Sneak in the Joe Mixon. I think yeah. Alvin Cook could be an interesting option there. Like I said, you really want to pick – I say you really, really want to pick – in the top four or five this year. I think, yeah. I, I think you t- most years I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I do think this year makes a significant difference because the, the replacement level of the – I think the players that are going at the end of the second round are almost identical to the players going at the beginning. And I think there's a, a decent-sized gap between the players that are going at the beginning of the first round and the end of the first round. Yep. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you, James. All right. Any other notes – news and notes here. There was actually a lot going on in the NFL. The thing with the NFL is every year I go, oh, it's going to get slow. And then I realize that there's like rookie mini camp and this camp and that camp. And now we got hard knocks and we got all these things to talk about. Yeah, it really is 12 months of the year. It's it's about to be July, the the actual slowest month. But for us, we will be doing – we'll hopefully have a very exciting announcement. Let's let's end the podcast. We'll tease that again. We'll tease that again. Uh, very hopefully before the end of the month, hopefully before the end of the month and then roll into July with some heavy hitting podcasts that are going to get you ready. You're going to spend the entire, as you should, the entire month of July preparing yourself for what is August. 
And August is the month you're going to watch some preseason. Slightly things might change. We're going to move into that. And then the second half of August, you're going to draft and you're going to get ready to dominate in fantasy football. And that's what we're preparing you to do. Yeah, if there's one piece of advice I can give for what you can do in the month of June, uh, if you are going to any of the sites that have the ability to mock draft, whether it's Fantasy Pros, Fantasy Football Calculator, Yahoo, ESPN, whatever they are, I, I would do it now. And for the amount of teams that your league is normally in, because you're going to notice, and I think it's really important to notice, what players move significantly up and down throughout the offseason. Because those are the players you're going to spend your most time with. Right? Saquon Barkley, barring an ACL injury, is going to go number one, maybe number two, in every league between now and the start of the regular season. There's not much analysis you need to do on that pick. But you can start to see which players are rising and falling as drafts change because you'll notice that rankings have a major, especially at the major outlets like ESPN and Yahoo, rankings and default rankings have a major impact on draft position. Because a lot of people are drafting off of the rankings that are in front of them in the draft room, which go off of the default rankings at whatever site they're at. This is where you can start to find values and notice, okay, who is going higher and lower in certain formats? Do a 12-team mock draft on ESPN. Do a 12-team mock draft on Fantasy Pros. Do a 12-team mock draft on, on Yahoo and see where some of the differences are because you might find out that depending on where your league is, you might get a tremendous value just because that particular website ranks that player lower yeah. than the other website. So this is the time we can do start doing that sort of research so you're ready when the rankings start changing and moving to know what's just noise and what's okay. People are catching up to the analysis. Yep, and, and pay attention to those things. They matter. Those little things matter. Now is the time. I know y'all have nothing to do because guess what? The NHL finals are going to be over tonight and the NBA finals are going to be over by the end of this week. So you're not going to have any other sports. You're going to have baseball and then you have a nice little break for all-star game. You need stuff to do. So start consuming football, preparing yourself for fantasy season. This is the time, especially if you live here in the desert because it gets real hot and you just want to stay inside and uh, read up on fantasy football. That's pretty much what you should be doing. All right, Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, J-A-I-M-E-E-I-S-N-E-R. There you go. You can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I, and you should follow us at TD Fantasy underscore. Leave us a review. Some parting thoughts here. Uh, it's super helpful going into the fantasy season, and we really appreciate it. If you guys can go on Apple, leave a five-star review for us. Give us some feedback, um, or wherever you're listening, Spotify, anywhere. Leave us, leave us reviews. We really appreciate those. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.